0: Welcome to the ReFramed Podcast. I'm Kelly O'Mara, and I'm helping with producing the podcast now. We appreciate you listening. I'm looking forward to many wonderful discussions in the days, weeks, and months ahead, including what we have for you today. But before we start, one small disclaimer. Due to the pandemic and time constraints, we are doing these chats through Zoom, so please bear with us if the audio isn't perfect. Today we learn more about Pastor Bud Fancy, who is the lead pastor at Framework Church in a segment called Getting to Know Your Pastors. But before we get to that, let's get started with our first topic, which is simply, why have this podcast? Welcome to our very first podcast, well, that I've been involved in. I am joined by Pastor Bud Fancy, Pastor Jason Blakey, and Pastor Victoria Rowe. We're bringing the podcast back. And so I figured we would just start by talking about why we have a podcast in the first place. Why don't we start off there? Why was the podcast originally started?
1: We really wanted to have another venue, another voice that we could speak out with, and and really a Sunday service isn't enough time to really talk about some of the stuff we really want to talk about at church, and so the podcast really is another avenue that we can start filling in some of the gaps of the things that we really want to say, whether it's addressing important topics going on um, that we don't have time to talk about in a Sunday or Saturday service. We also know that there are so many venues of people and ways that people now learn and interact. That we want to be able to connect on the podcast level because uh, there's so many people that listen to podcasts nowadays. And to not have that voice out there, to not have our voice in that media form, we're just missing a whole group of people that are now learning in that way.
2: Just personally, I subscribe to a ton of different podcasts, both like church ones and some secular ones that I like to listen to when I'm driving. And also a lot of conversations. Jason kind of alluded to this, but. Some topics require a little bit more nuance um, and a more like kind of intimate setting to to dialogue back and forth, and we think this is a really good avenue in which we can tackle some of these topics.
0: And I know that you had originally posted some podcasts. What was reaction to those from people? Were they appreciative of having that option? I think by and large
2: the response was really really positive. I have some friends who do podcasts regularly, and they were like, "Yes, we've." This is a brilliant idea. I've tossed some ideas for topics for us to tackle, but a lot of people also in this area were new to podcasting and hadn't heard what's a podcast? Like that was a question we got a lot. So we're able to kind of introduce them to this. So that it's been largely positive.
1: Yeah, we get to actually start creating culture in some ways, but we've also realized that our audience for podcast is well beyond Prescott. We're getting people from other communities, other churches jumping into our podcast and be able to uh, be part of our church in that way, we'll be part of the greater kingdom in that way and so we're, we're having a bigger and deeper impact than we thought we would with a podcast
3: it's a safe environment for a lot of people to explore their faith
1: that maybe don't even want to walk
3: into a church building and sit there they get to hear it and and as they've mentioned it's often a little more in depth and they're able to process it and they're able to play it again and they're able to to benefit from it it's, what I do when I'm on a podcast, a lot of times I'm replaying certain parts of it because it really is a teaching moment.
0: What is it that you hope people in the church will take away from each time something's posted? And what do you hope that people who aren't in the church will take away?
2: I think there's a lot of things that people who have been churched for a long time or who have this like culture inundation of church, which we have in our immediate context here uh, in Presque Isle, a lot of church folks, and for me, I've experienced this as well, this almost like sense of shame or like, this is taboo. We can't talk about these things in the church. Or if I'm struggling with this idea, like I can't let anybody know it. But I think, again, the podcast is an avenue that we can shed some light on these things and create a culture of like vulnerability, like as pastors and, and leaders of of the church, we're talking about these things because it's, if we're if we're having these like questions or doubts, surely other people are as well and so I think it's a way that we can get out ahead and be vulnerable and lead the charge on some of these tough topics
0: yeah I would think that a lot of people almost would appreciate having that outlet because sometimes it almost feels like as someone who's been in the church maybe I I should already know this or maybe I can't ask this question because everybody's going to look down on me so this kind of becomes that opportunity for people right
2: Totally. And I think it can lead to really intentional kingdom conversations outside of the church. And that I think is a huge win for us and for everyone.
0: Meanwhile, the people who are outside of the church, what's kind of the hope that they will take away from the podcast?
1: If someone from outside the church is listening to the podcast, they're probably going to see the church in a different light. We know that online is our new front door and a podcast goes into that too. So if someone really wants to see what our church is about, the topics we speak about on the podcast is going to be that initial impression they get of what a church is. And so, I mean, if they see us just sitting around condemning people all the time and telling people how bad they are, they're going to think that's the church. But if they really see us heading the topics today, struggling like everyone else does, they're going to realize that's the church. It's made up of a bunch of humans that are really trying to figure this out, just like everyone else. I do think
3: that unsaved people that becomes a safe venue for them in a lot of ways. And what I like about it, they're in a setting where they I mean, they can turn it off or they can keep it on. When they sit in chairs, they kind of feel like they don't want to get up and walk out in the middle of it. But they have that opportunity there. And there's something about them being in control of the setting and and being able to, you know, if I want to turn this off, I can turn it off. I actually think that makes some people more open that maybe are opposed. Even the topic we're talking about, but they say, well, I'm going to listen, see what they have to say and the Holy Spirit. It really
0: allows the Holy Spirit almost to have a little extra time to work because they can turn it off and it gives them that inner reflection time. Yeah. All of the pastors have agreed to kind of have a part in the podcast, but what can people in the church do to support the podcast, to be a part of the podcast? How can they be present with it?
2: Subscribe. (laughs) Subscribe. (laughs) It's accessible right through however you listen to podcasts. I use the Apple podcast app, Spotify, but subscribe. If there's something that really like resonates with you or you think you know someone who would benefit from something that we're talking about, like send it to them, share it. This is the age of social media. And again, the more that we can have these conversations and introduce people to Jesus, it could be an interesting way to fulfill the Great Commission and make disciples. So that's a real like plug, but also a real opportunity that we have as the church to share the gospel a little bit more. Kind of
3: jumping on with where Victoria is at, I'm thinking of the fact that there are people that I share with people that have no spiritual background, people that had a spiritual background and walked away from it, Some of the subjects that we may cover, I think it's an opportunity to say, once you listen to this podcast and identify where it is, where they can find it, it becomes a place where we can spread the right kind of information, the right kind of opinions they can listen to. And then it allows me to follow up with a lot more a sense of the fact that they don't, they're not going to get blindsided. They'll have listened, they'll have some questions and we can address it. I think that has a lot of potential. And I could think of a couple of people right now I could use that with.
2: Also, there's the avenue to disagree. Like if there's something that people don't necessarily agree with or have further questions, this provides an avenue to reach out to us as pastors and producers, Kelly, and hopefully break down some of the walls of division that are rampant in culture, but also in the churches, right? So I think this can be an avenue for us to practice peacemaking.
1: And it also gives that that avenue, as Victoria said, like one of the best interactions we're going to see is questions coming from people. And, you know, our goal is to be able to have people actually submit questions and actually have an interaction time where we're dealing with real stuff that people actually want to hear about. I love preaching, and I love being able to share the gospel. I love being able to have the application to it. But sometimes people need a little bit more than that, and they're going to have follow-up questions beyond what we've shared from the pulpit. And so there's no better application way than be able to respond directly to questions that people are submitting on a weekly or daily basis, whatever whatever they tune into.
0: Absolutely. And I would just like to say, as kind of the producer on this, we welcome any questions that we can get so that, that we can make sure that we're covering what people want to hear.
2: Yeah. Don't be afraid to get spicy. (laughs)
0: Exactly. You guys can handle it, right? (laughs) Totally. And Kelly,
2: you can share to this too. Like you're taking over producing this podcast for us now. Why?
0: Mm -hmm. I got involved with the podcast one night at 1am when I was not sleeping and my brain was running wild. I think sometimes God uses those moments when you're thinking about a hundred different things to actually put a a reasonable idea in your head. And, you know, for me, it was just kind of, this is an opportunity that I saw as the way that I could be involved in ministry at the church. I do help out with the worship team, but I saw this as an additional place that I could pour some talents that God has been gracious enough to give to me. So I'm excited about all the different ways that we can share a lot about the Jesus we follow and the Bible and salvation through voices that people recognize here in Aristic County faces that they can see if they head to framework, you know, it just gives that local touch. So that's part of what I get excited about is knowing that this is an opportunity for people to have kind of direct access to people who can get them the answers that will save them for eternity.
1: This podcast is a really good example of what could be if people see what they're passionate about and what they're good at and apply that to the kingdom. Because like these things are things that we want to do as pastors. We just can't do everything. Right, and we, we're nor nor are we gifted for everything. So, if we want something done well, we need people that know how to do it first of all, and then we need to rally those people together to create something that's good and not something that's just okay.
0: You know, I think sometimes when when we look at things that are being done, sometimes the tendency is to be critical. Well, why aren't they doing that anymore? And for me, personally, you know, my thought was not. Why aren't they doing this anymore? It was, I wonder why they're not doing this anymore. I bet it's because they don't have time. And maybe that's somewhere where I could help. And I think there's something that everybody in their mind goes, I wonder what would happen if this happened. And I think it's taking that extra step of saying, okay, not everybody else can do it. I'm the one who noticed it. Maybe I noticed it because God wants me to take it or at least bring it up or talk to someone about it. So I think that's kind of something that members of the church be listening for things that you notice and then just that kind of whisper that says well maybe I could help now what if um what if I I hear about the podcast it sounds great but you know I was having a conversation with someone recently and they said well I'm too old to listen to podcasts this isn't aimed for me what would you say to people who say well maybe this this isn't for me
3: bud <laughs> I was just gonna say this should be mine <laughs> yeah yeah it, uh that's a good one for me to be able to talk to people about. I think some will not do the podcast stuff, but I actually think for a lot of our seniors, it's another, if you would, social outlet for them. Once they get into the habit, of, particularly as winter comes in and they're not traveling out as much and getting out around, they can hear familiar voices and they can hear us talk about things that would probably be very inspiring and encouraging for them. I think some of them are just nervous about anything that's new.
0: New doesn't necessarily mean bad, though. And I think, you know, as you said, this can be a great outlet for people to get questions asked and answered that maybe they've yeah. had for years.
1: Right. If you remember though, I mean, YouTube came out and that was just for you know younger people. Then Facebook came out and that's just for younger people. And then next thing you know, it's full of all the grandmas and grandpas, (laughs) and they're almost using it more than the younger generation. The younger generation's moved on from Facebook and now it's basically owned by the older generation. (laughs) So uh something like podcast, you know, is is in that same boat. It's another learning tool that people can have, another Avenue. And so it's available for anybody to use. And it's really just as easy as pressing play. Now that most people are getting smartphones or some other device, how to listen to it, it's readily available. What I would say for people that aren't yet listening to podcasts, you're missing a source of learning and education that you could have in your spiritual growth. And so I would definitely encourage people to find a way to listen to it, whether it's on a computer or whether it's on a smartphone. If you ask anybody, around that has a smartphone, they probably know how to access some sort of uh, podcast in some way, shape, or form. And if not, feel free to call the church. We'll get you hooked up and, and teach you how to do that. Yeah.
0: And where can they find this podcast?
1: Right now, the easiest way to listen to it is if they go to media. And right there, there's a podcast section. They can click on it and they can actually listen to the podcast right off of our website.
0: Perfect, nice and easy. And we've mentioned topics like quite a bit. What kind of topics do you anticipate are going to be covered? Obviously we won't get an exhaustive list, but what kind of topics are we looking at with this podcast?
1: I think sky's the limit when we're talking about a podcast like this. (laughs) The beauty of it, like I I can see us talking about whether sometimes mental health we could talk about, but we're gonna be talking about spiritual things, biblical ideas, maybe evangelical tools, principles even just social stuff as it appears. We're talking about, we want to be able to deal with the relevant stuff as it's actually happening and be able to answer some of those questions and some of the cultural dilemmas that are happening in real time. And so we want to deal with that all. I don't think anything's off the table. So whatever you want to talk about, we're willing to talk about it.
3: Things like 9-11 and so on and so forth, just things that are happening in our world that are that are really shaking people, but to be able to weigh in, at least from a biblical viewpoint, how do we handle this stuff? You know, what do we do? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Now, this isn't the only outreach that the church does. I mean, this is one avenue that, you know, is kind of relaunching, but what are some other outreach ministry opportunities that the church is doing right now?
1: We're actually in a reforming stage of what local outreach looks like in the church. For instance, the missions, Ford has a whole local side that we're developing now and that's going to be partnering with certain organizations around, but we've actually changed our budget structure so that 50% of our missions budget will actually end up being local missions outreach ways. Hub coffee of course is being developed and the profit of hub coffee is going to be going back into the community in different ways. And that's on top of the local outreach. So how we partner with people is changing and what we're currently doing right now is changing. But some of what we're doing right now is just encouraging people to get into the community and trying to partner with them to figure out how we can be part of their journey into the community. But that's definitely in a building phase.
2: Yeah. And on a real recent level, like COVID obviously changed a lot of things for us. And so we had to make some pivots early on. Um, and our our local board here at the church in mm-hmm. a huge vote of confidence and out of a heart to be able to reach more people. We did a complete overhaul of our video and audio system here. And so now we're live streaming our services. And I know that that reaches people locally at a national level. We've had people who tune in consistently from Canada and other countries. So we're able to reach a broader audience of people. And that's been a huge, real simple way. If you don't have a church that you're tuning into, you can worship with us Saturday nights at 6 p.m. We live stream from our Facebook page, from our YouTube page. You can get that from the website as well, or Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We'd love to have you join us for worship virtually.
0: Obviously, COVID, not looking at a lot of positives from it. Well, one nice thing is that it has opened up a lot more the world of online than it ever did before, allowing the church to really get that gospel out.
2: Absolutely. Knowing that there was this like global thing affecting us, global suffering in a sense, like there's a sense of empathy and compassion, but also unity that comes from that, it's really challenged us as as pastors at the church to reframe how we share information, how we're structuring our weekend services. And I think there's been a lot of really good lessons that we've learned, hard ones, but good ones through this past 18 months.
3: Two of the things that are coming up that are always big in our fall slate are what we call Big Top Bash and uh, Carol McKenna Thanksgiving. This year, big top effort will be similar to what we did last year because of the uh, increased COVID issues in this new Delta variant. We don't feel we can do something inside. We normally have upwards of a thousand people come through the building on that night, but we're going to do a drive-through out in our yard, which we did last year. It was really well received. I think the people that were Doing it out of the yard had more fun than the people that were driving through. But we're collecting gobs and gobs, pounds and pounds and pounds of candy that we want to give out to the kids and other things just to make them feel loved and appreciated. So we encourage people keep your eyes open and you'll have a chance to be a part of that. And then we have uh, Carol McKenna Thanksgiving, which was begun by a man named Carol McKenna. And we have carried it on. And last year, we fed i think well over 400 meals in the community and actually uh, this past year United Baptist Church in Caribou partnered with us and helped to carry some of that forward but we look forward again this year to serving just as many people as we possibly can and it it's a bright spot for everybody that participates at the church and preparing them and it's amazing what it means to people to have a meal and a smile and often a prayer with them on Thanksgiving as we deliver meals. And so anybody listening that would like to have meals brought to their home on that day, they just need to call into the church and we'll put them on the list and we'll get it done.
0: Why is it so important for the church to leave the four walls, get into the community? Why do this? Why put the effort?
1: Jesus says that we're supposed to be the light of the world. I just keep thinking about that statement you can't be a light if you're locked in the closet, right? You can you can light up the closet, but it's not going to have anything to do with the outside of the room. And so if we don't get out into the community, even if it's to do a 3K walk, run, if it's just to do any run, walk, if it's to, to just be with people, whether it's play sports or do something with people that are not Christians, then that light's just going to stay locked in. We, we need to be out of the walls of the church. If you're helping out at Martha and Mary's, if you're down at the homeless shelter, You know, you're being light directly to people and that's helpful. But even if you're in your workplace and you're just being intentional about being the light of Christ, that's sharing the light, right? If we just hide it inside our hearts until we walk into the church and then all of a sudden be Christians again, that is not what Jesus intended. He doesn't really want you to think just about yourself. He really wants us to be the light, not for us, but for anybody around us. And that's how we share Jesus.
3: But the reality is... Most of the people who walk into our church come into our church because in some way someone has reached out to them, whether it's some event that we did or whether it's someone you work with or whether it's the people at the gym where you work out, you have a conversation that creates an interest. And then they show up. Most people that are not Christians rarely just decide we're going to go check out the church unless there's been something that they've seen outside of the four walls that draws them in.
1: That's right. That's why when Jesus sent the 12 um, or he sent the 72, both times the instructions were to, wasn't just to share the message, right? It was to heal, to cast out demons. It was actually meeting the needs of the people around them, actually being involved in their lives without uh, just the message. But the message came with it. If you enter the community and you don't meet the needs, you're just sharing a message, you end up hitting a brick wall. No one's going to want to listen. But if you just meet the needs and you're not sharing the message, it's also pointless. You're sharing love without the person that creates the love, right? So there's a balance there of meeting needs and sharing the message. And like when it reaches the two together, that's when you see people start getting transformed and curious. Because only when you're doing both. Do people actually want to know Jesus? It doesn't really matter who you are in the community or what your need is that needs are different levels. It's not always physical. People need Jesus, but they also need to know love from humans as well. And that's where we need to be involved in their lives.
0: Well, and if you look at Jesus, he went, he went to people. He went out into the community. Right. And before he ascended
2: like to heaven, the last commission that he gave His disciples, and I think it extends to us today, was an action word, right? Like to go and make disciples. And Jason referenced earlier when Jesus sent out the 72. Later in that passage, it also says that they returned to him filled with great joy. I think that there's this correlation between getting out and being the hands and feet of Jesus and just really practically actually loving your neighbors that's directly related to joy. And I think there is another Pandemic that's rampant in culture and in the church, right? Like a lack of joy. And so, maybe a really easy way to get a little dose of the joy of the Lord is to go out and love your community well.
1: It is interesting that often those who you see with the most joy are those who are most involved in other people's lives.
3: The truth of the matter is that is every time. People who are not involved in others' lives are pretty, pretty miserable, pretty empty. We had a young lady in church on Saturday night who posted on Facebook. Anybody wants to go to church with me next Saturday at six o'clock, you can catch a ride with me. And it was her first time in. But she wasn't there because she said, a framework church, I think that's a cool place. I think I'll go. She was there because someone from our church talked to her and said, I think this would be good for you. This is what you're looking for. And so she actually came in with arms open. It was totally different reaction than if she come kind of cold turkey.
1: And the cool part about that, when they came back with joy, Jesus then prayed at that point, the devil got destroyed, right? (laughs) And, uh, you know, we, if you want to be a combatant, it's not just about your own personal growth. It's going out there and sharing the gospel and God will honor that whichever way we do it, right? As long as we're intentional and we do it for his glory, not for our own. And so that's why it's really important to be part of local missions in any way shape or form even if it's just an activity some of the most impactful people i see in our community and in our church are those who are just part of the community and i get blown away by going to lunch with someone and all the person i'm having dinner with that the waiters come up and the waitresses and they know the person's name they're joking about their families together and i've realized that person has transformed the other person's lives Mm
2: -hmm. yeah the ministry of presence is huge plus it's like with diet and exercise, go in balance. Like if you are constantly mm-hmm. eating food, you will increase. <laughs> you've <laughs> got to work it out, right? So um I think expending what you're taking in also correlates like to the weekend for sure. Like the things that we are receiving from the Holy Spirit on the weekends are meant to be worked out practically throughout the week in our community to our families to our coworkers, to our friends at the gym nobody does that better than bud fancy but
3: right it's gold there's others better than me but you know one thing i was just thinking here is true truth of the matter is if i eat all the time and i don't exercise i get indigestion and there are a lot of there are a lot of christians that have spiritual indigestion they come they hear all kinds of stuff about Here's how you share the plan of salvation. This is what you're supposed to love your neighbor, but they don't go out and do it. Mm-hmm. And in and, and literally spiritually, they just, there's no freedom. Uh, there's just guilt, discouragement because they're not a light. And the people that go out there and share it, ooh, what a difference. We got a guy, Richard Henderson, that came to Jesus and he still constantly is walking up to people on the street. Shaking their hand and say, I want to forgive you for how I treated you for years. I know Jesus now and I'm
0: sorry. I love the song where it says, you know, I know I'm filled to be emptied again, right? I'm I'm filled so that I can share that with other people. All right, to wrap this up, how can people get involved? How can they help?
1: The first step would be just to talk. We don't really like one of the things we need to know about people is what are they interested in? What can they do? And we really find those things. We're able to partner with them and network them to things that are going around. We would love just to meet with someone if they're interested um, in any aspect and get to know who they are. And as we hear their hearts and as we hear their passions and find out their giftings, we'll be able to say, you know what's going on right now? This is what's going on. Or get them connected with someone who can direct them in the right way. We have a church that has a lot of networkers in there. And uh, we just want to be able to connect them together.
0: I'm joined now by Pastor Bud Fancy. And he is... Um, the lead pastor at Framework Church. So Pastor Bud, can you just tell me, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself?
3: Well, I've been in ministry 49 years, uh, hard to believe. I originally uh, grew up in Toronto, Nova Scotia, Canada, fell a call to ministry when I was probably, I kind of fell a call when I was 16, but resisted that for quite some time. But at 19, after taking a year in Christian development uh, at a Bible College in uh, Sussex, New Brunswick. I said yes to that call. And since that time, well, since uh, I finished my uh, degree over the next three years, since 1973, but in full-time ministry. And uh, it's been quite a journey.
0: Yes, I'm sure it has. So you're married and, and you have some kiddos and some grandkiddos. Yeah,
3: sure. Actually, my ministry began in Nova Scotia. I was at single for two years. A little difficult to do ministry the way they want to sometimes when you're single, but uh, that was a great experience. And I met my uh, first wife, Kathy, who I lost to cancer when she was 41. And since that time, married my wife, Irene. Kathy and I adopted two boys, one Seth. He's now senior pastor in a church in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Looking forward to seeing he and my grandkids after 20 months of separation here real soon. Then I I have a son, Zachary, who uh, we also adopted here on the state of Maine. He's now a state trooper in uh, Southern Maine. If you get stopped by an officer with the name Fancy, ask him for a break. Tell him I said so. And then I have a daughter. (laughs) Yes. And I have a daughter, 19, who's uh, now in Southern Wesleyan University, one of the universities associated with the denomination we're part of, the Wesleyan Church. And. She's sophomore, and she just left home. We're kind of feeling the empty nest experience.
0: Okay, so um, you've mentioned a little bit about your history in the ministry. Tell us a little bit about some of the places that you've ministered in.
3: Well, it's uh, been a variety. I actually uh, I couldn't figure out for a while why it particularly happened, but I found myself in several places. Rather than staying 25 years at a place, I read a book on uh, leadership, and they talked about a leadership style called uh, reengineering, which really referred to rebuilding churches. And I found myself moving from church to church after five, six years taking churches that were struggling and rebuilding them and did that for the first 25 years of my ministry and started out in Southern Nova Scotia, very Eastern point of that province, Eastern point of mainland Canada, actually. Then uh, came to eastern Maine, loved my five years there, moved to Holton and spent five years there. Five seemed to be the magic number. After that, I actually made a shift and went to Birmingham, Alabama. So here I am, uh, a Canadian from Nova Scotia with an accent. It's been 10 years in Maine talking with, and all of those expressions. And I moved to the South and I got a little South in my mouth. So I was pretty mongrel when I moved back to Scarborough, Maine and planted a the Church there. Since that time, I've pastored in New York, and despite the fact I'm a Red Sox fan and they're all Yankees, uh, (laughs) and surprisingly, 12 years ago, uh, starting my 13th year, God called me back to the county. So I've been everywhere.
0: (laughs) Yes, well, we're glad to have you back in the county. Tell me a little bit about your current role at Framework. Um, You are the lead pastor. Tell us a little bit about what you do in that role.
3: Yes, I'm lead pastor. I have a really good staff. There's six. Of us, including myself, that are full time, and then uh, have a part time counselor, Barb Helperson, and then a seniors pastor who's in two days a week but does a lot more than that, Reverend Bernard Brown, who's been in ministry 60 years, I think, is what it, it's 61. But my role is basically I do about a third of the preaching. We have Rick Cavanaugh, who's uh, was senior pastor here for years, who's on our staff, and other great capable preachers in our staff. So We share that load, and I chair our local board of administration and do quite a bit of counseling, a lot of outreach, trying to share the gospel with people. I enjoy that part of it a lot. And uh, I guess you would say that my main role is just kind of make sure everything's operating somewhat in the direction we want it to go.
0: Any special memory that stands out for you over the last few years that just really reminds you of why you got into ministry? I mean, obviously a call from God. Um, but yeah. any memory that really kind of oh, yeah, shows you why why you love
3: it. Most of those uh, memories, uh, there's a bunch of them. Most of them relate to people that I've seen change. And there's there's a gentleman that comes to our church who I think of. Uh, he was a great guy, a hard worker, and uh, loved his family, but he really struggled by his own admission, he'd let me use his name, but it won't. He's with just a lot of bitterness, a lot of anger. So he came into my office. I asked him, you know, why he was there. He had asked to speak to me and and he was involved in a little men's group that I lead on Thursdays, six o'clock in the morning. He looked at me and he said, you know, I'm an old man. I need to know Jesus better. He accepted the Lord in a very personal way into his life at that time. Totally changed him. He went from a guy who struggled with bitterness and was very angry. And ironically, other people have commented to me uh, since that time about that because he became one of the most forgiving, caring guys. Just was in a Bible study with him this morning and we were talking about how it had changed him. New people have walked into my church and asked me later on, said we looked and saw him there and wondered, he's he doing there? And he went over to them and said, you know, there's some things I said to you over the years that I apologize for. Those things make ministry exciting to see God work in lives and transform them and and literally set them free. One of the reasons why I'm still in ministry well past retirement time, Mm -hmm. uh, or what I thought would be retirement time, is the fact that there's nothing more real than God in our lives. And I continue to see God do things that only can relate to being really supernatural. God is amazing. He knows how to take our lives and make miracles out of them. And I'm pretty addicted to seeing God do miracles and change others. That's what makes it exciting for me.
0: All right. Well, thank you for letting us get to know you, Pastor Bud.
3: Thank you. It's a privilege.
0: I am joined now by Pastor Jason Blakey and Christine Neto, who is the missions director at Framework, and we're going to talk a little bit about missions. First of all, can you just tell me what missions are for anyone who might not be sure what that really means?
4: I think that's a really good question because sometimes there's this idea that the missions is just like this small group of people in the church that are very adventurous and love going overseas, but missions is so much more than that the scripture that's always used for missions is like the great commission which is matthew 28 and this is where jesus in his last moments physically on earth is ascending up into heaven and his last words to people are go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and behold i am with you always to the end of age so Missions is not just for this like small group of people that like going overseas. Missions should be the heartbeat of what we all do every day as Christians. And it's not just overseas, like it's local too. So it should be kind of the heart of everything that we do as Christians in in serving and in spreading the truth of who Jesus is and just how we interact with our neighbors and and just live our lives.
1: Also, like that's the word missions itself comes from that whole idea of the great come mission right? That's why we call it that is it has nothing to do with just overseas. It's really fulfilling the commandment that you just read to go and make disciples. And that's what we were commissioned for. And that's why we call it missions in general. It has nothing to do with just one location or a global location. It's in our backyard. It could be in our state. It could be in our home or overseas. And so when we're talking about missions, even at the church, that's what we're encompassing, both local right around us, and global around the world and how we're fulfilling that commission that God gave us to fulfill that commandment.
0: So I think when people picture missions, they're picturing that overseas, like I go and I build an orphanage or I help dig a well, but can you give me some practical examples of what missions might look like in your own backyard, in your
4: own neighborhood, in your own community? There's several ministries that we partner with locally. So Martha and Mary's has a soup kitchen. There's also the lighthouse ministry that has outreach to economically challenged individuals. And then we also partner with the pregnancy care center. So those are like ministries that as a church we partner with, and that would be missions in our town. But it's also at an individual level. You know, one of the things we were just talking about last night in our meeting was foster care and how that is the heartbeat of missions. It's welcoming a family into your home you know be those children living in your home as a foster parent but also that interaction and the support and the love that you show to the biological parents and so that's a, a beautiful example of missions here in your own hometown and showing God's love to those who need it in that moment.
1: Jesus fulfilled or Jesus really explained the Great Commission even before he said it right and and he did it that he sent out the disciples and if you look at how he sent the disciples, the first commandments weren't to go share the gospel, and sometimes it was, but it was always with helping people, with healing the sick, with casting out demons and things like that. And so really what they're saying is, yeah, you're sharing the gospel, but you're there to meet the needs too. And so in missions in general, when you go to make disciples, you're not just going to make disciples as in just to tell them about Jesus, that's that's a misconception of what making a disciple is. It's really a holistic approach of meeting needs while sharing the gospel, and raising them up to then train them to do the same thing all over again. And we can do that here locally through places like Crisis Pregnancy Center or Martha and Mary's by starting by meeting the needs, but then incorporating the intentional here's Jesus as well. And that's why I love it. So working with places like foster care and things like that, That's not the end goal. Building a house in Haiti is not the end goal. Those are tools in which then we're able to open the door to Jesus while we're still there or or helping the missionaries do that as well.
0: And the church puts a focus on this. And so you mentioned a few moments ago that you had a meeting and that, you know, you're the director of the mission board. Can you tell me a little bit about what the Missions Board is and what it does at the church?
4: So the Missions Board is made up of members of Framework Church. Like you said, I'm I'm the director now. Pastor Jason's also on the board as, as our pastor. And so a lot of our focus, like this last year with COVID, has been a good time actually to kind of refocus and, and step back and look at some of our policies and our procedures and reevaluate some of that stuff. And that's been a really good time. But then we're also making the decisions versus, you know, like which different ministries we partner with and those kind of things and and kind of exploring, like, how can we be more involved in our local community? What kind of things, more things can we do?
0: You mentioned in church over the weekend that you are, for the month of October, putting a focus on missions. Why put the focus on it in October?
4: It seems like a lot of churches use the month of October to focus on missions. It kind of just works well. But In general, we've wanted to really Bring missions more to the forefront in our church. We've been doing a lot of work in in the background, and we've realized we haven't really communicated all that's been going on with the congregation. And we've really wanted to kind of change some of that and be more transparent. I mean, that's part of a big part of my personality is just being very transparent and very open with everybody. And that's something I've really wanted to do is just make sure everyone knows what's going on, and in that way. The Holy Spirit can work and they can get excited about it too, you know, and I think things will just grow and continue to develop from there. As people are knowing all the really cool things that are happening, people are going to want to get involved and people are going to want to give and people are going to get really excited and want to pray more. People can't pray about what they don't know is going on. So we just want to be a lot more transparent and just have all the information right out there for people so they know what's what's going on
1: more. Yeah, it's been funny. Of course, before being a pastor, I was a missionary for 12 years. And it, it's true, October just seems to be the month that people are doing missions. And we were always going to missions conferences all through October. And there's something about the holiday season starting to change when fall comes. You know, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving, we're starting to think about Christmas. And I think at that point, you begin to think about other people naturally because of Thanksgiving and family events and things like that. And so it really helps to put missions in this. It almost paves the way to say, Remember, the church isn't just about the church. This is helping the church remember, hopefully annually moving forward, that we are an outward looking church, not an inward looking church. And the whole idea about giving it a month is that at least one month a year, we're going to be able to say to the church, let's look outward again. And so I think it's very helpful, especially coming off of our summers where we end up doing a lot of vacation time and traveling around just to reset the mark saying, all right, here we are again. Let's look outward
0: Christie had much more to say about missions. You'll have to tune in next week to hear more of that interview. But that's it for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.